1: forward slash give thanks for listening and god bless our passage for this morning comes from psalm 27 listen for what god is saying to you the lord is my light and my salvation should i fear anyone the lord is a fortress protecting my life should i be frightened of anything when evildoers come at me trying to eat me up It is they, my foes and my enemies, who stumble and fall. If an army camps against me, my heart won't be afraid. If war comes up against me, I will continue to trust in this. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's all I seek, to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life, seeing the Lord's beauty and constantly adoring his temple because he will shelter me in his own dwelling during troubling times. He will hide me in a secret place in his own tent. He will set me up high, safe on a rock. Now my head is higher than the enemies surrounding me, and I will offer sacrifices in God's tent, sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and praise the Lord. Lord, listen to my voice when I cry out. Have mercy on me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Lord, I do seek your face. Please don't hide it from me. Don't push your servant aside angrily. You have been my help. God who saves me, don't neglect me. Don't leave me all alone. Even if my father and mother left me all alone, the Lord would take me in. Lord, teach me your way. Because of my opponents, lead me on a good path. Don't give me over to the desires of my enemies, because false witnesses and violent accusers have taken their stand against me. But I have sure faith that I will experience the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Hope in the Lord. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture.
0: Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Okay. All right. I realized. So last week um, I was here preaching, and I realized that I didn't actually introduce myself at all. So you guys can inform the people that were here last week that aren't here this week who I am. <laughs> so my name is Marche um, Sylvester, and I'm filling in for Pastor Emily um, while she's on sabbatical. So we can continue to support and bless her as she rests. Um, Even just hearing Rico's testimony, um, we know the gift of rest and the reflection that happens with someone who's been serving. And so it's been a gift to to be able to be a blessing in this way and to take this time. Um, I um, come from a world of, I did 10 years of college campus ministry, um, and then I just finished theological studies, master's degree, and I'm currently a PhD student in pastoral theology. Um, and I've been coming to UVC for about a year total, but this site for about six months, since January. Um, and so it's been fun to be a part of this church community um, and to enjoy uh, the, the support and the community um, that we have. So this week, we are finishing our Faith on Stage uh, series, and... Um, the title of this sermon and all the other sites and this site is called Be a Lion. And we're supposed to be talking about courage. Um, and the thing you guys don't know, and I think i might have mentioned this a little bit in my testimony um, and a little bit last week, but um, I said, like, when Pastor Emily invited me to do this, I was like, yes, okay, I'll totally do it. Um, and then the last week, I was actually terrified. Um, and this week it has been better. But what you guys don't know is that I haven't preached a sermon in about four years. Um, And the very last time I did, I was at a conference of like over 300 college students. Um, I preached uh, for a weekend and then um, came back and had my very first anxiety attack and then dealt with about six to eight months of just serious social anxiety. Um, And to be someone in full-time ministry who has anxiety is probably... um, it's just the least helpful thing. And I realized that part of the reason why I was so afraid even last week was that um, it was the last time I preached. And so I was afraid that like, just the overwhelming pressure and anxiety would come, at, come back on me, right? Um, so it's been good to sit with the idea of courage um, because I think there's a way that um, fear and anxiety and courage are always coupled together. So, um, be a Lion, we're gonna use The Wiz as our uh, musical that we're gonna connect with, beyond stage. So if you guys name any big picture action movie that you've seen recently, shout them out. What's the most recent ones you've seen? Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Endgame. Avengers, Endgame, anything else? Lion, lion King, <laughs> action movie, hero movie, maybe. <laughs> I was just kind of going over all of the, like, recent action movies I've seen. I think the last one I saw was, like, um, The Andreas Fault. It's like a Netflix movie where somebody's coming to save his family after, like, a big, a big earthquake. And the thing I noticed about action movies and the depiction of courage in those movies is that courage is always this thing that the person just has. Right, they have it in them. There's not ever an ounce of fear. There's just this thing where they show up and they're like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna save, um, save the people and there's nothing else besides just courage. And I started to reflect and I think actually, the action movies have it wrong. Uh, because I think fear and courage go hand in hand. Just imagine like you have a kid who loves to be the center of attention, right? They're the center of attention, they love it. If they go on stage and do a talent show, no one's going to be like, wow, that was so courageous, right? They're usually going to be like, that kid just loves to be the center of attention, is a hand. But if you take your shy kid who can't even like, raise their hand in class and then they decide to get on stage, you'll call that courageous, right? Because there's some sort of fear that is engaged with and moved through uh, that happens when, when we... When we um, do something that we're actually afraid of doing. And so what I really think is that courage is not defined by fearlessness. Um, It's not about the absence of fear, um, but courage is always coupled with fear. So today's sermon from Psalm uh, 27, we're gonna do like I said, with the Wiz. And I grew up on the Wiz, so I don't know if everyone here has seen it, um, but it's the same general idea of the Wizard of Oz But the the characters are like the Tin Man um, is played, or so Dorothy's played by Diana Ross. The Lion is played by Ted Ross. uh, The Tin Man's played by Nipsey Hussle, and the Scarecrow is played by Michael Jackson. um, And it was done in 1978, I believe. And instead of taking place like in Kansas, uh, and there's like a tornado, this is like the setting is like in the heart of the city. Um, But we still have the character of the Cowardly Lion. And the Cowardly Lion in this uh, musical is mostly afraid of everything. Um, but when you first meet the Cowardly Lion, you get a different picture. So we're gonna go ahead and just meet the Cowardly Lion in the Wiz together. Just a statue.
1: Made of stone, see? Not even a dummy like me. No stone lion can't ch- check you out.
0: Say what you wanna. Day, Cause I'm a mean old lion <laughs> You can go where you're gonna But don't get in my way I'm a mean old lion
1: You'll be standing in a trail If you don't have enough.
0: <laughs> And if you have to come around Well, you best not make me feel you see this picture of the lion, and the first interaction is this picture of intimidation. But what you see mostly is that it's a front. Why is the lion hiding in a statue of a lion, right? And if you follow, (laughs) follow the scene any farther, you'll see that the lion is pretty much always afraid, either hiding somewhere, the first one to bolt and run. So let's get a picture of what the lion is really like. Uh, Mama would be so proud Going to see the (laughs) wills My mama used to always say to me Fleet Fleet That's my name Fleetwood Developed. Mama had high ideas. Yes.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I ain't too happy underground, y'all. It's just a hoax, my friend. He's got a little motor in his pocket. Is the first to bolt. It's not the whole scene. It's it's terrifying. Childhood memories of being mostly afraid. I saw them happening in the audience. Yes. (laughs) The lion is the first to run. The lion is always the most afraid. The first one to say, "I don't like the underground." For the lion, fear is his constant companion. He looks more like this all the time. You can show those. See that, <laughs> running, uh, being the leader running here, a constant face of fear, um, or crying because of fear. For the Lion Fear Center, um, while he was the first to be self-promoting and to talk about um, being amino, lying, using mostly intimidation to hide the fear. Uh, and what I think is that this lion is not much um, unlike our psalmist for psalm 12, or from Psalm 27. Uh, and we, as we're talking about courage, courage is always intermingled with fear. And it's even so intense that it's even hard to tell if this, if this psalmist is praying a prayer of trust or is pleading for help. Beth Tanner, an Old Testament professor, says this about uh, this psalm, asking, is this psalm a prayer of trust or is it a cry for help? depends on who you ask. It moves from praise to lament to fear to crying out, back to praise again. It's cyclical, just like our lives. We praise, we cry, we praise, we cry again. This is the stuff of our existence. What I love about the Psalms is that they're honest, right? They speak, to use Tanner's words, about the stuff of our existence. At first glance, it's easy to look at this psalm and to see a bit of triumphalism, right? To talk about the winning and the faith and the overcoming fear and the calling on God. But if you ask the question, is this a psalm of trust? Is it a prayer for help? Is it a lament? The answer is yes. It's all of those things. And what I mean about triumphalism is that we have a tendency, if you, grow up, if you grew up in the context of the US um, that we oftentimes focus on the faith, we focus on the building up, and we don't allow the complexity of our lives to actually be front and center. And this Psalm in some ways pushes that tension uh, within our own community and our culture. If you look at verse one, where it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And you pair that up with verse 12, where it's pleading, God, do not give me up um, to my adversaries, for they bear false witness against me, and they're breathing out violence. Is the psalmist afraid, or are they like, I don't need to fear anything? And the answer is yes. Courage is always coupled with fear. In our lives, in the life of the psalmist, um, if you break down this psalm, so I did this thing where I just like, took it out, and I highlighted what's happening in it. Language of confidence and faith only happens five times. Now, you guys saw what up here was long, right? Confidence only happens five times. But there are 13 instances of pleading for shelter, asking for God's help, pleading for God's presence, asking for protection. And in those pleadings, we, we hear the fear that's there. And then there are eight instances of just clear fear, like I am afraid of what my enemies will do to me. And then it ends with a little bit of a, like, a pep talk. So they have this experience uh, for people who are in, in going through seminary and it's pastors, and they wanna be pastors, where they have to go be hospital chaplains. And sometimes they do it over the course of a semester, sometimes they do it over a summer. And I ha- happen to do this over the summer. And one of the reasons why uh, they invite young um, aspiring pastors to do this because it's the instance of having to deal with the fact of what do you do when a person is facing death and there's nothing you can really do to console them? What feelings rise up within you and what, how do you engage with this person? And our culture has a tendency to want to spiritualize pain and spiritualize suffering such that um, a, young, a young aspiring pastor might first try to like give them a prayer that would help support them when really it's about sitting in the tension of there's nothing I can do to resolve this. And so part of it is wrestling with um, a pastor who feels this call to like, serve and help people and being in these moments. Um, and so it is, it's like an embodied experience of living in the tension of a psalm, a psalm in some ways that doesn't resolve. Uh, and so like our culture, our culture just likes to move on. Right, we have short bereavement times when people die. Uh, We don't know what to do with, uh, excuse me, I lost my spot. We don't know what to do with uh, sometimes our financial troubles, our insecurities over raising our kids or our aging parents um, or ourselves, uh, our family dynamics that we don't know what to do with. Um, We teach little boys that they can't cry there's this way that the culture is steeped with an overcoming um, and wrapping up things really quickly. We like to focus on the tone of, I want to dwell in God's house. I want to shout for to enjoy. I want to behold the beauty of God's dwelling place rather than the fear of what happens when evildoers try to assault me, when armies encamp around me or when oppressors bear false witness against me. And this is the stuff of our lives. This is the stuff of immigrants at the borders and cages, um, of mass shootings, of trans people dying. And there's a seeing and a pleading that is the tension of this, saying, help me, God, come, answer me. Do not turn your face away from me. So part of the thing that I've been learning to do um, is to decolonize my sense of faith. And it's been, how do I learn to not center my natural tendency to want, like, I like things to be resolved, right? My, like, young, and I have an evangelical upbringing. And so I just want, I'm expecting things to always get better and to always be good. And so I sat with this, and and in preparation for this, I started reading this book, um, Reading the Bible from the Margins. And one of the things that it talks about in this book is um, this Korean concept of Han. And the concept itself is both personal and communal. Uh, And I'm just gonna read what it says about it. When those who are disenfranchised suffer unbearable injustices, they develop an inexpressible feeling in the pits of their stomachs. The Korean community has a name for this pang. They call it Han. Han encompasses the feeling of resentment, helplessness, bitterness, sorrow, and revenge that are so deep in people, are deep in the victim's gut. Han becomes the daily companion of powerlessness, the voicelessness um, of being marginalized. Han is not restricted to an individual, um, but when social injustices prevail throughout a whole community for several generations without an avenue of release, or cleansing, there's a collective Han. And I resonated with this because of my experience um, as a black person growing up in the US and seeing that uh, idea of like just the internal uh, pain of injustice. And what I think is that when we look at a Han reading of Psalm 27, uh, we're encouraged to embrace uh, the fear. Sit with the suffering of those whose adversaries are close. Or maybe that is our own experience. We can't move too easily. We have to sit with the fact that this psalm doesn't really resolve. Is the person courageous or are they terrified? Yes. We are able to deal with the fact that it, it lacks resolve. How might we be moved to, or internally moved too quickly within ourselves? Um, To not sit with our own pain, the pain that's happening within our families, the fear uh, that our children might have in their everyday lives. And how does this psalm help us to sit with the back and forth, the cyclical nature of our real lives? This psalm allows courage to be deeply coupled with fear so much so that you can't really pull it apart. It allows us to not just get an easy fix or uh, scroll away on our Facebook and Instagram feeds away from the things that are troubling uh, that show up there. It teaches us to face fear, uh, even if we don't know when it's going to resolve. In the song Be a Lion, uh, there's, there's a way that it's like, keep trying, keep trying in your own way. And there's an encouragement that, courage does not look like fearlessness. Courage does not um, look like getting it right the whole time. Courage faces resentment, helplessness, bitterness, sorrow, and even the feeling of revenge within our own selves. Um, In the ways that our country right now is polarized, um, I think we need this type of courage. This courage that engages with the tensions of lack of resolution, of communities needing to come together. All of a sudden, the tensions of verse 1 and verse 12 are something that we can engage with. Courage is, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And it is the pleading, God, do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. May we be courageous.